0: But Stork uh, is a first in a series. I'm not really sure how many there's going to be. It might be a trilogy. So I wanted to create something that was uh, not, uh, and this isn't really a dig, but like not you know pure flicks or whatever. I wanted I wanted something that was brutal and honest and you know a little a little bit less G-rated, like a lot of other Catholic books and TV shows and movies are.
1: Hello and welcome to Barbados Catholic Podcast, a show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo and Walter. And today we are going to talk to Brian Edwards about why literature matters. Brian Edwards, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. That's awesome. Um, thank you for accepting our invitation. Um, we, we, we know you from the Instagram world, uh, which we'll touch on in a little bit more. But for, for those that don't know you, who is Ryan Edwards? So
0: I am actually a, uh, a convert in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, grew up Protestant. We had a, uh, a family ministry and everything, and then the whole family converted at some point my mom reverted a uh, little bit of italian heritage helped there and mm-hmm. uh nice. i don't know like a few a few years after i converted i started up the the meme page uh mostly with the, the vision in mind to write some books and to have an audience for that so here we are <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's nice. awesome so I, I I stumbled upon the the meme page that that Brian is talking about. It's called Catholicism, not Catholicism. Right. Catholicism. Yes, yeah,
0: was uh, very good. Most people they they really mess it up <laughs> the name.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's it's uh it's it's really great. Like it's apologetics, it's history, punches at famous traditionalist YouTubers should shall remain unnamed. It has it has a little bit of everything. I I have to admit, like I'm I'm like old enough that some of those memes, I'm like I have no idea. This is totally. (laughs) If uh,
0: if it wasn't for my audience, I I I probably I would not know what they meant either, for the most part, because people send me stuff and then I have to be submerged in it.
2: (laughs) How long have you been doing that now?
0: Uh, since 2018, December 2018. So, oh, nice. Yeah, a few years. That's has it cool. been that long. Yeah, I guess it has. It's I know
2: been- we we're all like I still can't believe 2020 happened. I kind of block it out of my mind. You know what I yeah. mean? A lot of people happen. don't count that year. Yeah. Well, it happened, this but entire- they don't count it. Exactly, they don't count it. It was just like uh, whatever that year was, and then everything after or everything before that they did indeed happen. So I get where yeah. you're where you're coming well, from. Listen, I, like I a still dream. yeah, dude.
1: <laughs> I still feel like you know the '70s were 30 years ago, but you know that kind of like that's brain, yeah kind of boomer <laughs> brain. I don't know. Bit. but um, but anyways, also on Instagram. Now that you mentioned that like, you have like an audience, and and the idea was to to write books and all that, Gustavo and I uh, have been talking about the need for like good literature, um, and good literature that is not overtly Catholic, and it's not Lord of the Rings, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, that's kind of how we tricked you into taking this interview, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. I I guess uh one uh we we can we can jump into talking about uh the two books that that you have um kind of like what was the 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 thought ta- the thought process behind writing the books like um maybe you want to start with like the your debut novel and then we can take it from there and and maybe ask questions in between
0: mm-hmm. yeah sure uh so with uh with Stork, Stork is actually my second attempt at a book, and uh the first book the first attempt, I was writing when we lived in our studio apartment, and uh I just didn't have a very good vision for it, and it was a great learning experience because it was my first time like writing like writing as much as I did i I did like fifty thousand words and then I threw it away, but uh it just it lacked direction and the morality was a little confused in it uh in the sat because it was more satirical in nature but stork (laughs) uh is a first in a series i'm not really sure how many there's going to be it might be a trilogy uh might not be it might just be a couple of books but uh (laughs) i uh i found out my wife was pregnant and it kind of just uh it kind of like really accelerated the writing process for me because it is a pro-life dystopian novel set in the near future and uh I i don't know when i was writing it there are some very overt catholic themes in it but uh while i was writing it i had one of my more like i guess agnostic friends read it proofread it like each morning whenever i finished a chapter or whatever Oh. And she, uh, she really enjoyed it. So I wanted to create something that was uh, not, uh, and this isn't really a dig, but like not you know pure flicks or whatever. I wanted, I wanted something that was brutal and honest, and you know a little, a little bit less G-rated, like a lot of other mm-hmm. Catholic books and TV shows and movies are.
1: It just because it. Uh- I think that's that's important as well because not, not just because it is um Catholic themed, it has to be like perfectly manicured and like happy endings and all these all these things that are kind of like you said, like pure flicks, right? But um mm-hmm. uh, it's not that. It's like the themes seem kind of dark. <laughs> like persecution of Christians, pro life issues, um the Replacement of God by AI. That that was an interesting one. It's like I have yet to read it, but I'm really looking forward mm. to to reading that one. Um, well, I mean, just look at the Bible, right?
2: I mean, the right. Bible's not for the faint Gee of heart. Right. It, yeah. They, even- uh,
0: definitely could produce a TV show. <laughs> like covered verse by verse without some censoring.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. Something. You know? And even yeah. even going through the Bible in a year, you know, Father Mike kinda like gives you a, a disclaimer on some of those episodes. It's like, yeah. If you're driving the kids to school, you might want to wait till they're in school before you listen to this one, you know, because there is a lot of those themes, you know, where Mm -hmm. They turn away from God. Let's keep it G-rated, you know, for our audience's purpose. Right. But but no, but I really like the approach, you know, and and also it really opens it up, I think, for uh, a more broader audience. You know, I don't I don't necessarily know exactly where you were going with it in terms of like who you wanted to attract as an audience. Did you have that in mind when you were writing it or was it just like this is going to be a story and whoever reads it like great?
0: um uh, a little bit of both because it was my it was my first book and i just you know i didn't really i didn't really know uh i kind of had the expectation of like my parents reading it and you know maybe <laughs> a couple of friends but uh a lot of people uh, a good number of people have read it and uh i i i targeted sort of a younger audience with it because i think the uh the Zoomers as they're called today they're just uh, mm-hmm. you know they they don't have much of a guide in their culture you know they don't have good role models they don't have good stories mm-hmm. or anything uh, and it's just their media is it's horrible it it's honestly <laughs> it's a crime what they've been it subjected is. to. And I wanted to present a good story of good quality to, uh, you know, people that have an imagination that can read Mm -hmm. books and uh, maybe learn something from it, a new perspective maybe.
2: Totally. Well, God bless you for that. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a great disservice, first of all, that I think schools could do a better job at introducing better literature you know from the get go um but also in the home you know i think it starts in the home um we're both both walter and i our family's homeschool and um we we have a uh catholic uh classical curriculum that we follow and it's chuck loaded with beautiful literature from the from the beginning uh, my wife has actually been instrumental in that and that journey and our home homeschooling journey. And she was telling me yesterday, she was reviewing the next year's uh, curriculum. And she's like, uh, yeah, your 13 year old is going to be reading um, CS Lewis's um, mere Christianity next year. So there you go. You know, and she's 13 and she's being introduced to, to really heavy topics like that. So was it like that in, in, in your case, in terms of like, what, what type of literature that, were you brought up with, and, and how do you think that impacted your, not only your faith, but also your writing?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was not the best student. Uh, I've kind of, when, when I was in school, I kind <clears> of, <throat> I didn't do the summer readings, and they picked the most boring books imaginable. <laughs> I mean, there was a, I need to give it another shot now that I'm more of an adult. But there was uh <laughs> there was this one book uh that was just it was so bland and it was set in like a dreary wintry play. I don't even remember the name of it, but I don't know um just bad books and some of the books they were good, but they were like uh, they were like shortened versions of it, like summarized versions right. of the books mm-hmm. or whatever
2: the abridged Like we did bridge. some
0: yeah that's that's the word. We uh we did some uh Shakespeare uh plays like that. You know, like Hamlet and uh mm-hmm. what was it? Uh Macbeth and whatnot. They they were good, I think, but they were just we didn't get the full thing and mm-hmm. you know, the other books we read just weren't really anything of substance. Yeah. So I yeah. I kinda picked my own my own books to read and I read I read stuff like C.S. Lewis and Jules Verne and H. G. Wells and mm-hmm. uh, and the, the Sherlock Holmes books and I don't know. Right. I just that was more of my
1: thing. Yeah. Sweet. And I think you mentioned a few of those authors as influences to to your writing, I think if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah I I I might have profile. Mm-hmm
0: I think I, I think I did put something like that in Goodreads. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely sci-fi. That was what I was more focused on in high school. But, uh, with my, with my other books, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've read new authors, not new authors, but I I've been exposed to more since I read store or since I wrote Stork, And, uh, I guess uh, my writing has been influenced by them a little more, such as like mm-hmm. Ernest Hemingway and he's got horrible crude stuff, but like his, the way he writes is is, is uh, very neat to me. So that kind of influenced Shriving Place, which is a second book.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I mean, he was also loaded most of the time, so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> uh, so we talked a little bit about the uh before we move on to to the thriving place um like that that curriculum of like schools choosing books did you know that now there is a movement to like take classics like uh to kill a mockingbird in some other of these like they have been in the curriculum of high school for years right and i think Uh, they're trying to, like, remove them. There's, like, Mm -hmm. some kind of, like, woke movement from teachers trying to, like, get rid of um, all of these books that have been included in the great books reading list. Um, Which, whether we want to, you know, accept it or not, it is, like, blatant attack on, like, Western civilization and Western culture, because... I mean, if you look at the list of books, some of the authors that are mentioned there are going to be like St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that it, all I see, like if you uh, try to browse like books of Instagram or Bookstagram or whatever, you're going to find like something that is like black, and indigenous, and people of color authors, stories told by women, which is nothing wrong about showing showcasing those authors but it sounds like you are showcasing those authors specifically because of those particular demographics not necessarily because mm-hmm. they are good works which is like the right. problem that i have with promoting literature just through that aspect like i don't care who wrote it mm-hmm. or who that person is from what's like their background i mm-hmm. just give me good stories that I that can grab my attention. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: right. so I've got,
0: I've got several guilty pleasures, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> Do to writing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the, the works aren't necessarily like pure and just and holy or whatever, but, uh, like Ernest Hemingway for one. And I, um, I kind of, I kind of really liked Slaughterhouse Five when I read it. That was uh, Kurt Vonnegut, Jr. And he's, okay. you know, he's something sort of a, a commie, <laughs> but it, I mean that <laughs> book, that book was, it was, a, it was an anti-war book, and it was, it was a really good book in my opinion. But I don't recommend it for everybody because there's some uh, scandalous stuff in it.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I try to start reading uh catcher in the rye there was so much gd going on that i felt guilty reading that book and i was like i'm just gonna (laughs) put it down for a little bit i've
0: never read it i've never read that book completely skipped over
1: it all right this is funny like growing up in mexico we were mostly exposed to like latin american um literature uh in high school Mm -hmm. and like some really like you, you, you I don't know if you're gonna be able to wrap your brain around this, but like translations of Shakespeare to Spanish. Not it's kinda the like best. watching watching friends dubbed. It's not the same thing, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could <laughs> I of. could imagine. I am uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of things were lost in
1: translation. Like that. So yeah. I don't know if it counts if I read Shakespeare. Um anywho, it it it's it's good. It's good exposure to to literature. Literature, maybe even like reading in the in the original language, uh, could be. I'm pretty sure there are good translations of, of a lot of works. Mm-hmm. But um, I, just saying that being able to to read in two languages like opens up a, a world of possibilities for for uh, uh-huh. getting to know more more works. Um, yeah. All right, so. Before we go to the Striving place, once one thing that I wanted to to ask you is the the cover of Stork was it designed by uh, Chris Lewis?
0: Yes, it was uh it was Chris Lewis. Uh on Instagram his his media and everything is uh Barrett is catholic. Okay. And uh and he does a great job. He's, He's actually Amazing. I got a I've got the book here. I don't know how yeah. it shows up on the camera but that I looks mean, great. Yeah. So I, I I was an artist in high school and growing up and stuff and I've done murals and whatnot. And so I drew like a rough idea of what it was. And I was like, this, this is not going to cut it. And mm-hmm. I saw, I always saw his work and his work is probably my favorite, like modern, you know, art there is, to be honest. So I'm not <laughs> I, exaggerating. I
2: would concur with that. That's amazing. He,
0: he does, it, he does the work in a way that is very similar to like wood engravings and stuff uh-huh. like uh, Albrecht Dewar and like more of the old school renaissance kind of religious artwork that I was always inspired by. And that's why I really liked his stuff and I asked him to do it and hopefully I can get him uh, get him to do the, the sequel cover whenever it's finished because he's uh, he's very
1: busy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's a good thing that you, you got him um when he was not I don't know when this is this at twenty uh twenty twenty is when the Store came out.
0: Yeah, so I um I was writing it in twenty nineteen and then it was ready in twenty twenty and that's when I released it in like April. And I released it like right after COVID started happening. And uh I don't know, you know, the uh it was good timing he 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 had been working on the cover for a few months before i released it of course mm-hmm. but uh the the book is very it, it probably paired very nicely with covid because there's a lot of uh a lot of things that were happening that you mm-hmm. will find in the book and uh it's very uh it's got that that same environment you know uh, quarantine and kind of secret masses and stuff like that
1: oh wow yeah it's like you talk about dystopian future and then you're like wait a minute (laughs) i have heard that before it doesn't look like that that dystopian anymore and then it Uh, got cloudy
2: and then it is i thought
0: i thought maybe i should stop writing books
2: (laughs) or maybe write like (laughs) happier books (laughs) yeah yeah try something with like uh, guys ever read like frog and toad it you was know, nice, nice yeah. stories like Frog and Toad, you know, yeah. lighten up the yeah. mood a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I might, I might
1: try it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like next thing you know, it's like, what are you working on, Brian? It's like children's books. I'm like, okay,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, which are also necessary. But uh, what is not a children's book is the the thriving place. Your second uh, novel that this one came out in December of 2020.
0: Um, I will. I will say real quick, though, that Stork isn't necessarily a children's place. I would say, uh, like, 15 and up, maybe, for Mm. Stork. There's some graphic scenes in it, kind of, like, disturbing. Uh, There's some violence in it. And there's, like, a couple, like, you know, um, bad words, but not, like, bad, bad words, you know, Mm -hmm. like, maybe the D word or something like that. I don't okay. I don't know who's listening. So oh, that's <laughs> it's, it's yeah, not yeah, necessary. Yeah. It's <laughs> not a children's book,
1: but it, yeah. it's definitely a young adult book. There we go. That's good. That's a good mm-hmm. extension yeah. to make. <laughs> okay. um, Shriving Place, which I didn't know what the Shriving Place was. I had to Google it because I'm like, what does that mean? Is it is like a confessional?
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I don't even know, like, why I, I thought to make that the title. <laughs> I just, I, I guess I was, I was researching about confessionals or something. I thought that was a cool, a cool word, shrive or shriving place. So, mm-hmm. I I picked that as a book because in the book, there's kind of a confession. The book itself is kind of a confession of like a a guy that hunts, uh, you know, child abusers. And he's he's a serial killer, and uh, he's on this mission to like you know just take justice in his own hands, and uh, so that I guess that's why I named it the Shriving Place. I I got it right here as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I did the cover of this myself. Nice. <laughs> so because uh, I don't want to bother, I didn't want to bother Chris with it because it, you know it was just like a novella. Just like a small little project, I wanted to see how much of a book I could do by myself i mm-hmm. I didn't even have it edited by anybody. I just did it all myself
1: nice With that one and is that a Roman collar that the skull has Yes uh Not so to get too much away yeah. from the story right
0: yeah no no i mean um they'll they'll find out pretty quick so there you go the the serial the serial killer uh specifically targets uh priests that have that have committed these sins yeah so it's uh it's a very it was a very intense subject and it's very intense you know reading material but uh i I wanted to explore that idea as a catholic of uh you know of um the the reality that is you know like bad priest and justice and the lack of justice and you know mm-hmm. where uh where things get complicated yeah well People yeah we'll think about that kind of stuff
1: yeah just like reading the description i was like what is family meant to do knowing that predators continue to breathe will justice be done and i was like will it so i have <laughs> i have yet to get yeah. my, my my two autographed copies that, that i got from you that I'm not gonna sell on eBay, I promise. Uh, <laughs> yet, yet, yeah. I don't know. Maybe wait, we'll, is, if, if it blows. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe like ten years or something. <laughs> no, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll, wait, we'll wait see.
2: after the movie comes out.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's like, wait. We interviewed. I Me, mean, Porky sold the rights to. Yeah, exactly to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that is like, um, it is a, a hot button uh topic but i i think that is like something that uh, you and Cruz and uh i forgot the uh, third gentleman that runs the instagram account Ricardo. Ricardo Ricardo um uh, yeah. you guys don't shy away you don't pull any punches from from all the controversy we used to be in- a
0: lot worse i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> we used to be a <laughs> lot worse and we uh we got we got two different strikes from instagram, and i mean right now you know any day they could take the whole the whole thing away from us and so mm-hmm. we've uh we've kind of you know alluded to things whenever necessary but we uh we definitely used to be a lot worse <laughs> a couple of years ago for sure
1: so do you do you think that um as a convert to the faith, like how, first of all, how long have you been Catholic?
0: I always forget the answer to this. I think it was, I started dating my now wife in 2014 and I think we were already like attending RCIA and then 2015 spring is when we entered the church uh, for Easter. So uh however many years ago that
1: was 7 I guess <laughs> 7 Yeah 7
2: is yeah. Easter now so
1: That's Yeah That's awesome Praise be to God Um what well, do you think that um because I've seen that m- most converts Gustavo and I are cradle Catholics um most converts are like pretty outspoken about all the things like they become one of the best defenders of the faith that I have seen that sometimes I'm like kind of jealous like in a good way of uh mm-hmm. how on fire converts are for mm-hmm. the faith um do you think that has something to do in in terms of like what has inspired you i mean you kind of alluded to that that's what you wanted to do but um was this like the main inspiration that came after your conversion to say i'm catholic now i'm going to uh dive in and well have this not an not really
0: not immediately when i uh when I first converted, I don't think I had like a full conversion. I think uh what really drew me into the church initially was just a simple uh number of facts about history and like my ancestors and whatnot and my great grandparents and stuff and I was like, I mean they could have been wrong and you know just think looking at history and how long the the Roman Catholic uh, you know history is and like all the saints and everything and uh, it wasn't until a few years later that really I really had like a spark inside and it was at all Saints or no all Souls Day mass or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, it really it really uh, woke me up in a spiritual way and that's when I, that's when I started getting involved with the page and the page, uh, really helps me and it's always helped me, uh, because I have to create new content and I have to learn new things continuously and as you, and people, they, they message me and whatnot. And so I have to, uh, continuously answer them and I have to look into more things and it's just uh it just keeps me focused on that kind of the walk with christ and everything as superficial as social media is but uh without it i mean sometimes like if i take a break or whatever i could get i could get sidetracked from my spirituality just because i don't have that support group uh but i don't I don't know my upbringing was very religious, even as a Protestant. My dad was a pastor for ten years, and okay. he had he's always had that energy in the house that I was raised in as you know defending the faith but of course we were defending the the the, the borderline heretical faith of protestantism and uh well I mean fully heretical technically but yeah, so uh we weren't we weren't heretics in every way, but we were heretics <laughs> enough. But uh and the parts
1: that came it was just
0: Yeah, in the, the in some pretty major in some pretty major ways. But uh I don't know, just being raised in a religious environment like that, uh mm-hmm. definitely had a big part of it.
1: I mean yeah. you're in the Bible Belt, so mm. that's
0: oh,
2: that's
1: yeah. the the part that I'm like oh wow, like I don't know how hard it is to be a catholic well like, after you know,
0: after yeah after i was woken up about it before i kind of people would say things you know like families friends and uh and like coworkers. They they would talk crap to me or whatever if they found out i was catholic and i was just kind of like eh, you know like whatever <clears throat> but uh after after that sermon uh that that priest the homily that he gave he, uh I just I wanted, I wanted to be able to defend the faith, and I, I really buckled down. And as I was making memes, I was learning things and defenses of the church and whatnot. And uh, people stopped bothering me because they, mm. they knew they knew if they were going to say something, they, they weren't going to be able to recover from
1: it.
0: <laughs> they, they wouldn't have an argument. So that, yeah. that's what I did. I, I definitely advise everybody to try to do that, you know, uh, yeah. learn the faith. And you'll, uh, you'll feel more secure in it, for sure.
2: Yeah. That's similar to what we started with the podcast. You know, I mean, obviously, we've said it more than once on the podcast. You know, n- neither Walter or I are theologians by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we're just two lay Catholic men trying to inspire other men to be better Husbands, fathers, men of Christ, you know, followers of Christ. And mm-hmm. when we were about to launch the podcast and we we're like in talks, I remember my wife telling me, he's like, You're, you, you got to like bring your A game now, you know, and and that's what the, the podcast has done, at least for me, you know, it's really forced us to be more intentional about learning because if we're going to have any type of platform, you know, it has to be of, of first of, of service to God. No we cannot be he cannot be undone in his generosity, and I think we owe him the same uh um uh effort you know so and and secondly to really defend it and know it uh in a way that it's uh infectious and 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 we want to attract people by the way we live our faith, not just by being like you're wrong you know or 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 that type of mentality but but yeah, when we first launched it. I mean, we're just like flying by the seat of our pants, essentially. Right, Walter? We're like, yeah, we're going to talk Basically. about this. And we, we'd we be reading that day. And I was like, all right, I think I have enough for, to get me through. Kind of like how I got through high school. You know, I was like right. cramming the, the day of the okay, test. You're and making then it like-
1: sound like it is very improvised. Some of the episodes, they're very well <laughs> planned. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, because you yeah. planned them, but I had to do a lot of studying. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yes, it, 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 it's... It's pretty similar. I mean we don't we don't have to come up with nearly as much content, uh uh, you know, just making memes or whatever, but Ricardo and I will we'll just be chatting about some subject or something and we'll see the irony in something or the humor mm-hmm. and we'll just we'll have to create it. Or, you know, we're reading about something in particular, like theosis or like more Eastern theology kind of things and we'll wanna dive into it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that part of like Eastern, uh, like Byzantine Catholic um, spirituality—that is something that I also have a personal interest in. That I think that the three of you collectively it, you're uh, creating content on that, and I'm like, ah, can't relate to that. Um, <laughs> uh, mainly because you know it's it's a uh, it's really beautiful. Like I haven't been to a divine liturgy, but um, I think I was not I very much like. Beauty in general is going to lead you to to God because He is perfection. Yep. He is beauty. He is perfect. God. Right. Um. And and whether we want to admit it or not, in Latin Roman Catholicism has lost a little bit of it's a it's shininess i don't know what other way to explain it but uh the smells and bells i
2: guess it's (laughs) a
0: i think i think in a in a way it's kind of like the price for you know global coverage you know it's kind of like the uh it's kind of like the wi-fi like it reaches throughout the house but like you know To reach throughout the house, it you know it might get a little fuzzy from the source or whatever. Gets distorted in some places. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and uh, I don't you know it's it's unfortunate, but I think uh, I think in a few hundred years, (laughs) (laughs) we uh, we might we might see uh, Catholicism in a more folksy way than you know within the next few decades, probably we we might see Catholicism as it used to be or more uh and not so uh for lack of better terms like not so uh, generic you know because yeah. there's a lot of parishes out there that are very very safe and very like you know very uh cookie cutter in a way and yeah. uh i don't know divine liturgy uh has hasn't lost its uh ethnic background or anything like that and it's uh it's a very special community uh a highly Recommend it. It's uh it's a great it's a great time, and there's songs the the hymns will stick in your head for a week, and mm-hmm. you won't you won't do any singing. <laughs> it's,
1: I think I remember you took your daughter to receive communion in an Eastern Orthodox, uh, Byzantine Catholic
0: yeah, parish. Right. It was uh it was Melkite uh Melkite Church. I had no idea actually. Uh, my dad mentioned something about it in passing. I was like. Whatever. Like I <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. He likes to talk about stuff, uh, like entering church and like when I go to church I wanna I wanna just be quiet and listen and absorb everything. And he's kind of like a chatterbox to be honest. But uh uh we we went up for communion and my mom was carrying her. Sometimes I, I let them have the treat of taking her up whenever I go with them because they just love her so much. But uh yeah, they, they they gave her communion, and I, I don't know. I was kind of shocked by it at first, but uh, it kind of grew on me, honestly. I think it's a pretty cool thing because, you know, she's already been baptized, and she hasn't committed any mortal sins or anything like that. She's not the age of reason yet, and her receiving the body of Christ was like, I have a saint in the house, basically, you know? Like, I I have, like, a living yeah, saint
1: right here. <laughs> Maybe I need to take my six year old to that. Maybe he <laughs> yeah. a little bit better. Um Yeah. <clears throat> one I think we do de- we deviate a little bit from literature, but I like the the way that this conversation is going. Um is is Birmingham like a Catholic hub? Because I think uh Jason from Do the Harder Thing is is also there and you've met with him at some point, I think. It is.
0: Uh, it's a very weird place. It's <laughs> extremely Protestant. It is the. Pro- I would say it's a Protestant mecca of America. And, <laughs> I thought that uh, was
2: like Utah. No, oh, that's no, bad, that's dude. Mormon. That's oh, Mormon. Mormon.
0: That's Mormon country. Sorry. Uh, Protestant mecca is Birmingham, Alabama, oh, wow. and it is four percent of the Christian population here is Catholic. And eighty six percent of Catholic marriages here are interfaith, including my own. Uh my wife is Protestant. And it's just uh it's a it's it's a weird environment here for Catholics. Uh it can be very hostile. But uh they're they're very God fearing people. They are they're good they're good people here in mm-hmm. Alabama. Whenever I come from like some other state or city or whatever, and from a, a plane, like I can I can feel Jesus and it. it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great feeling to come home, but uh, it is a Catholic hub in a sense. Uh, Mother Angelica, she had like some sort of vision or some sort of calling to come here and to start something. And she started at EWTN and that's just down the street. And that's where my, my father worked there for a little while for security. Okay. And uh, a lot of spooky things go on there, by the way, like, like, like spiritual spookiness uh apparitions and like just very scary stuff.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you brought it WTN because I did remember vaguely that it was around there somewhere. So that that's like so interesting. God has a sense of humor for sure. <laughs> to yeah, with?
0: it Yeah, it's probably uh I used to live like f- 5 minutes away from it. We oh
1: we'll just walk through. <laughs> nice. But uh You'd be in the those live shows. Yeah, I, I I used
0: to live five minutes from it, but then um uh, then I moved. But the Birmingham is very weird. Uh it's got Latin Mass, it has a Maronite parish, it has a Melkite parish. It's just very liturgically diverse and there's not even that many people here so it is kind of a hub in a way there's a lot of people that come and go we've got father mitch uh we've got several uh several prominent figures like that and a lot of it has to do with uh ewtn probably
1: Mm-hmm. Ustawa, aren't you reading a book by him right now father mitch mackwells
2: oh um the one that you no he me? just did the full he just did the foreword for it, uh, Seven oh. Secrets of the Eucharist" by Benny Flynn.
1: Oh, that's I I read it wrong. Introduction
2: yeah. by. Yeah. He just did the fore, introduction of the foreword. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Um. All right, Gustavo, do you have any other questions before we? Yeah, wrap I mean, it
2: up? like you said, you know, we kind of deviated a little bit from from the original topic, but um, I just wanted to bring it back to that. Uh, Brian is like, what what do you think? literature is so important especially it's nowadays just,
0: yeah it, um literature is very tricky these days especially because of like media with movies and television and stuff and people have shorter uh attention spans but i think uh i think that makes literature even more important uh because it it can be it can be a good break from that you know uh People need to start using their minds a little more, you know, not just like consume and consume and consume. And literature is a, is a good, it's like a good workout for the noodle. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think the, the books are important because you can definitely convey a more, a sharper image, a sharper message to your audience than books or, or than, uh, movies and TV can you know, you can you can say a lot more and uh I don't know, they just uh they're fun to write. <laughs> they're fun to, I enjoy reading, mm-hmm. you know. And uh I don't know, I think society just needs to, you know, turn back to more traditional media a little bit more and uh and kind of take a break from just all the noise and books are very quiet. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Quiet. I think that's what you. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I think you know, and and the the instant gratification that we have, right? I mean, people don't have the patience anymore to just sit quietly without something buzzing on and off every twenty eight seconds. So, so that the the distancing yourself from the digital world and immersing yourself into books, at least for this generation, is going to take some, some training, you know, because it's like, they're very, very, um, you know, I think I, I consider myself one of those. I i'm I'm not the biggest bookworm. My wife is, she's, she's literally a, the librarian of the house, uh, the library that we have, she compiled it and she's, she's, like I said, you know, has been instrumental in, in, in my journey in terms of like, okay, appreciating literature and knowing why it's important, knowing why it's uh, need it. Um, and but, but yeah, I mean, the the instant gratification, you're not gonna get that from a book, you gotta work at it, you know. So, yeah, kind of like force myself to that, kind of like eating a salad instead of stuffing your face with donuts
0: every day, <laughs> right? And, uh, I think, uh, well, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Good. but, uh, it's just, I don't know, the, the books, they, uh, um, i think I think they can really do a lot of good for people, mm-hmm. you know, just books in general, not just my books, but like just just trying to break out of that fast food entertainment, you know, yeah, like you said, and uh, it's funny, I remember what I was gonna say now. It's funny because we uh we read a billion text messages and articles and we read all of this stuff all day long these direct messages, tweets, just constantly consuming, you know, we're not just watching TV and Mm -hmm. movies. We're reading things more than any people have ever read anything. ever. you know, like people were illiterate 80 years ago, you know, and now everybody's constantly reading all this information and, uh, they could, they could put that skill to use and, you know, read a story and, you know, make their brain function in a different way for once. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, it won't be difficult. You know, I'd like to read a lot more than I do, but uh, it, I mean, all it, all it takes is just picking up a
2: book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also important to, to instill it in your kids early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trying to read aloud as a family is, is something that we try to do. Um, Cause yeah. then that allows us to have something other than the TV to be looking at, you know, we, we share the, 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 the reading part. Uh, If you have older kids, you know, we kind of like share the chapters and, and then it opens it up for discussion, you know, either at the dinner table or after dinner or after rosary or anything, we, we try to get that under our belt. And, and my, my wife says, you know, I mean, I keep bringing her up because it's like, she's so right on a lot of things on everything actually. And she says, to my kids, you know, books are stories that somebody already went through, you know, so if you read a story, you're typically going to find like a message in it, something that went wrong and how somebody overcame that wrongness or that right. that dilemma, you know, so don't don't just read to be entertained, you know, read to learn how to go through life by people who already done it, either in real life it's or very- by... By fiction, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think uh that's that's one of the best lessons that I think we can get from from literature at large.
0: I think that's very wise. I will say that Shriving Place is not an autobiography. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I
1: don't have I don't have that life experience. Full so disclaimer much, but, uh, here. <laughs> yeah. Um You know how this but say I, about I definitely, what you know, this is not the case.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. But I I will will, uh, add to that and say that, you know, uh, TV and movies and stuff, they came out in the world and we've got some really good ones, but Mm -hmm. they've just progressively gotten more left-leaning, like very progressive, very degenerate. And uh, the good thing about books is that we have thousands of years of books and there's thousands and thousands and millions of stories that haven't been touched by modern progressivism and we as families can you know we could really benefit from that there's mm-hmm. books that i haven't read that i've probably not even heard of that are greater than anything that you'll find on netflix or exactly. on amazon or disney or any of that stuff and mm-hmm. we uh we could really we could really benefit from remembering that you know reminding ourselves that there's a billion stories out there that we will
1: never see the light of day unless we go to a library or something.
2: Exactly. Like yeah. Cool.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for for your time. Really appreciate having you on. Let's uh, plug all the things. Where can people um, find your books to begin with?
0: Uh, the books are on Amazon, but there's also, uh, there's an occasion where I'll, I'll sign them and I'll send them out personally and they can be purchased through. I mean, if, if they Google the striving place or stork sewing season, they can purchase them through like any of the vendors, Barnes and Noble, books, million, like anybody that prints books, I guess. Uh, I just self-published through Amazon, uh, But yeah, that's where you can find the books and uh, you can find me in the books and our various petitions and whatnot through Catholicism on Instagram.
2: Nice. Nice.
0: That's
1: awesome. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Arbantus Catholic Podcast, the show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life and culture. If you like the podcast or got something out of this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe, like, comment, rate and review if you haven't. If you don't like the podcast, well just keep to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. Um, go to direct.me forward slash barbatos to check out the show notes, social media, and how to support the podcast and more. And bless Casey, pray for pray
2: us. Pray for us.
1: Until the next time.